Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the 1% drop in mortgage rates after the Fed meeting on Wednesday. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is great to be here, Sarah. So soon to see you from yesterday, but we have a lot to talk about um, because a lot happened yesterday. Yeah, this is like a special edition. We usually have you on twice a week. This week, it's going to be, you know, three times because of what is happening. So, you know, on our podcast yesterday, we talked about, oh, Powell's about to make the speech and stuff. Let's talk what happened. Why, you know, what is going on with mortgage rates? What is the Fed doing? Give it to me. Everything. Sarah, I'll give it to you all right now. We're going to talk about mortgage rates being over 1% lower now from the CPI report. So let's take everything together. Uh, The CPI data is coming in less hot. Mortgage rates and bond market yields have fallen right uh, after that. Then this event happened. This is the Brookings Institute where Chairman Powell was talking. And basically, the line that moved the markets was really the Fed saying, We don't want to hike rates too aggressively because then that means we might have to cut rates faster. So pretty much that means a unilateral agreement not to be overly aggressive at this time. So what's key here is what we've talked about for the past uh, two months. We are in a different spot today on December 1st. 2022 than we were one year ago. The Fed has to realize that, right? They have to kind of wake up and think, okay, we're in a different spot. The growth rate in inflation in a lot of data lines are already falling where they weren't last uh, last year. So you have to be accordingly adjusted to that being the case, which means you don't have to be aggressive anymore, right? You don't have to do it. Like if it was me, I'm done. I'm done. I've seen enough data because I'm not old and slow, and working off a CPI inflationary data that is lagging by 12 months and everyone. This is the beauty of Twitter finance. The real smart people have figured this out, that the Fed was behind the curve. And this is why I went on CNBC a few months ago. I said, no, rent inflation is going to come down. That's what's driving core CPI, a lot of it. Without that, core CPI cannot sustain itself. So Yesterday, when that talk came up, bond markets, bond yields fell, stock markets rallied uh, because whatever happens over the next six months, that phrase is really the mindset that, okay, let's not aggressively overdo it now, which is, which is correct. You're in a different spot. I think a lot of bearish American citizens felt the pain yesterday that you know, these are the people rooting for a job loss recession. These are the people that are rooting for America. And then they just like, oh man, the Fed might actually realize they're overdoing it. You know, so um, that was a reaction. Uh, of course, mortgage rates didn't have an immediate reaction right away. It did this morning. We went from like 6.62% uh, percent to 6.29%. That's a big move. And remember, the spreads are so wi- wide right now to the negative side that if bond yields keep on going lower, we could have a five handle before the year's out, right? So um, in general terms, people's forecasts, Oh, by the way, I just want to remind everyone that said 8 to 10% mortgage rates, especially that well-known podcaster that said 10% mortgage rates by Christmas. 
Not going to happen. Because why? Because there is a relationship with the bond market. The 10-year yield and mortgage rates since 1971, before I was born, has had a symbiotic relationship on trends. So bond yields are falling. doesn't matter about the MBS market. Mortgage rates will fall with it. Right? That's how it's worked. I'm not going to say since the Peloponnesian War. I'm just going to say since 1971. Again, what do we <laughs> appreciate? What that. do we see? What do we say? Being having a second grade education, visually seeing. If you were blind, then I can understand. You can't read the chart, but the chart has been been the same since 1971. Bond yields go up, mortgage rates go up. Bond yields go down, mortgage rates go down. Bond yields went down yesterday. Pricing got better this morning. We're at 6.29 percent. So that's that's what the context of the move is. Now you've had two events within. Uh, uh, the last 30 days that have moved bond yields lower. So you have to think about the trend. If this continues, right, if shelter inflation gets accordingly adjusted to and all the other data lines are getting weaker in terms of inflation, that in a sense should be the peak. Like we saw the peak of mortgage rates, right? Because that last move higher, remember we always talked about 6.2 to 6.5%. That should be the high because a lot of things are pricing. Well, what happened? The dollar was getting super stronger and the world was complaining. So my running joke is, is that if the dollar got above 115, the IMF will get Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible, to go in the Fed and take the Fed out and stop the dollar. <laughs> that's what it that's what it occurred to. But the dollar's gotten weaker. This is why on social media I like to do these dollars getting weaker, bond yields are falling. Uh, the whole drama with the Bank of Japan, you know, their intervention, that that's all gone away, right? The dollar is getting too strong. Nothing good happens around the world when the dollar gets too strong. So bond yields are coming down. Mortgage rates are coming down. The dollar is coming down. Things are a little bit more calm now. That's that's where we're at right now. So earlier this week, we had uh, someone from the Fed, Bullard, right, talk about, talk some tough talk. And that that was not good for the stock market, not good for, for Bullard, uh, Bullard is a troll. Bullard it is the bad cop <laughs> trolling Fed. He does this all the time. I don't think people realize this. He's he's the bad cop. It's his job to do this. This is not this is who he is. He always does this, right? Dude was talking about 7% Fed funds rate with core PCE around 5%. So anybody who understands this talk about that's how crazy Bullard is. But that's that's he's the bad cop here. So people should expect that. So take James Bullard with a grain of salt. Okay? That his job is to talk tough. Right. And, and remember that, you know, Bernard, the vice president of the Federal Reserve right now, she's really in charge. And I think they've got they've they've talked about Fed funds hiking rates getting to five percent. So we still have some ways to go. But the fact that there is some kind of recognition that we don't want to overdo it. So we don't want because we don't want to cut rates faster. Right. We don't want to go. What does that do? Oh, dear Lord. That means they are mindful of the labor market. So I've always said the Fed doesn't pivot. That was not a pivot yesterday. The Fed pivots or the market really pivots when jobless claims break above of, over uh, 323,000. Guess what jobless claims did again today this morning? It went down. We're near historical lows still. So the labor market is still holding up. Um but uh, I think I think that 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 was a positive. I mean, I took it. I took that yesterday as being okay. They they get it right. So, it, but it's not a pivot. And and from your it's, perspective, it's not a pivot. Why? It's, it's not a pivot because the a pivot to me means that 
the labor market has broken. And the one thing the Federal Reserve has been counting on on this Fed rate hikes, on this all these aggressive rate hikes is what they said. They said the labor market is strong. When the labor market breaks, they pivot unless they see. I never believed when they said, oh, if 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 we're in a recession, we might not cut rates or we might or the, the bond market will take you down before that. Right. You know, you're just like 12 people against the biggest financial instrument in the world. But they're they'll they'll win this one. So this is them saying, hey, listen, we're still going to hike rates. We're just going to do it slower. Right. So there, it, it isn't really that big of a change. But I think the terminology of. um. We don't want to overdo it because we don't want to cut rates faster, which which is the higher for longer premise. But the long end of the bond market came down, mortgage rates came down. So we are more focused on the long end of the bond market than the Fed funds rate. Um, and yes, that was not that was not a pivot to me at all. I was like tweeting that. That's not a pivot. That's just a reckon. You know, they're still raising rates. They're just going to do it a little bit slower. So uh, a a very good month in that sense that the cpi data came in weaker it technically should be lower right now if it was adjusted to a to a better model and then the fed has realized at this point maybe you shouldn't get that aggressive so um the counter to this is that gdp growth is getting stronger and the u.s consumer balance rate stays solid jobless claims are still low and the fed can't be guess what sometimes the fed just can't do enough to destroy the economy at certain points and just endure, let, let it take its course. Cause we have inflationary data. That's literally back to pre pandemic levels, you know, like the Shanghai ports, the, the freight rates today, you can see it in the data it's back there, right? Let it, let it take its course. It'll, it should get there by its own, especially with shelter inflation. We're going to have near 1 million rental units coming online next year. Uh, that's the big driver of core CPI. So that should, the growth rates are slow and just kind of take it slow and steady you don't have to speed it up. No, you just, just take that slow and steady and just try to give the U.S. economy a chance to keep the expansion going and people not losing jobs and stuff like that. So when you said that about the five handle, I mean, obviously, our, I would be excited about that. Our listeners would be, I think most of them would be ecstatic to see that because last time we saw rates even go into the fives, then, then you know, it it kind of broke through the mortgage rate lockdown idea because people were like, okay, I can, I can go ahead and do this because it's not so far off. I can go ahead and buy a new house too. So my question to you is if we, if we see this and mortgage rates go down and we see a lot of activity, is the fed going to be like, just like they did then? No, 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 that's too much. Are they going to get scared off? Knowing the fed and their fear of, you know, the 1970s, it's, God, you old people are just living back in times that just doesn't work these days. Um, in any case, so far today, they haven't, we haven't seen too much of a pushback. And this is, this is where I think, God, can they do this? Can they be smart enough just to not freak? We, we've talked about this all the time. Don't freak out every time bond yields fall and stocks rally. Okay. Just act like you've been there. Let it take its course. That's that's the big fear of the Federal Reserve actually saying, no, 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 we want our job loss recession. I think to me personally, it becomes more problematic for them if they are actively, if you see inflation data start to cool down and they're pushing it, they're pushing the US economy into a recession when the data is starting to get better. There's where 
you know, as long as the data keeps on getting better, you can endure this, right? The only people that really want the Fed funds rate to get up higher rates go are bearish American citizens who have more in common with Russian trolls than, than our own people that live in this nation. So right now, if the growth rate of inflation falls down, give it time, give it time, give it time, you shouldn't freak out. But uh, we've seen this before where they just totally like panic. Oh, stocks are up. That's bad. Oh, my God. Bond market's going down. Listen, the 10-year mortgage rates at 6.29% isn't going to create the market that we had in January, February, March. Okay? We're not going to get that market. I to- Listen, I was team higher rates. I was savagely unhealthy market. I was, let's get rates up. We, we have to get rates up. I mean, going back to February of 2021. But this is, we're not at that point yet. So. If you want the expansion, right now, to me, they're a single mandate Fed. They just care about breaking down inflation. They're not a dual mandate Fed where they care about employment. So employment levels are still good. Just let it take its course. Give it time. If for some reason the economy's booming again and rates aren't high enough and home prices are accelerating, let's get to that point right now. We're not there, right? We're not. All the data is trending the way that you want. So just endure. Act like you've been there. Let it take its course, right? Don't freak out whenever bond yields fall. My, we are so far from, you know, the 10-year being under 2% or anything like that, that uh, uh, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. We could get a, we could get a happy medium in the middle. Uh, and again, just for me, all six of my recession red flags are up. So I'm just looking at jobless claims right now. But if you want to break this, if you want to try to keep the expansion going, you're just going to have to let the markets do their thing. And not get in there and oh, we we I, there's not enough pain for Americans. You people need to suffer. Our jobs are not being done unless you suffer. No, literally, people should be talking back to the Fed. No, leave off. All right. No, we we would let it take its course. Give it some time. Let it take its course. Don't freak out. So far, so far today, I haven't seen any freaking out of the of the Fed. But uh, let's let's see how it works. A little bit more when rates, if rates get down to the uh, mid fives or low fives, because that's the last time they were really pissed off that mortgage rates were down and stocks were rallying. So, listen, mid fives, anything in the fives would be such a Christmas gift. That would be the Christmas miracle for the mortgage industry. I'm just saying, like, that would be amazing. Uh, So, you know, I'm rooting for that. Uh, I know a lot of people are. What are some of the risk factors from your perspective? And this could be, you know, what could stop us from doing that? So, you know, whether that's uh, Russian action, whether, you know, what do you what do you see on the horizon that could not that could stop that from happening? Well, whenever you have a, a, a supply issue, you know, what we've seen during COVID, it was what traditionally we see in global pandemics. I mean, the history of global pandemics is shortages for one to two years. Uh, the energy situation, I mean, the, the dollar is already stronger than normal. So that usually would handle the energy. We, there's nothing we can do about the Russian invasion and the war against Europe. OK, that's just I mean, I mean, there, there, there's unless the Fed has like a secret Mission Impossible crew with them. Uh, no, we're, uh, that energy prices are going to be uh, higher than 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 what we had during the COVID recovery early on. Um, housing, of course, the growth rate of uh, pricing is slowing down. We're still going to have price gains this year, but um, I, I I would say this: this, and, and I, I've talked about this before. The Federal Reserve is not happy that total inventory levels are still historically low. 
And one of the concerns, actually, when I when I talked about this in April, May, and June, that the fear is that rates go back down low enough and then it just reaccelerates everything. That was when mortgage rates were at four to five percent, right? So five to six percent did the kind of damage over seven percent. The whole market is 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 not not working normal. Five percent should be a happy medium, right? It should just be a happy medium. I, I mean, I can't even see. Uh, home prices accelerating like that, like we saw. Um, total inventory NAR data is going to be higher going into 2023. Then we get the seasonal push right there. Uh, I, I don't think rates at 5%, it could stabilize the housing market, but it's not going to get you what we saw in the first three months of 2022, where bidding wars were accelerating as a percentage of sales, January, February, March, right? The, the housing reset came in March because they had enough of it, right? They're, they're correct with that. They're absolutely, that would, like January and February was the worst housing market I've seen post-2010. It was so unhealthy, so savagely unhealthy that I even threw in the towel and said, we just need higher rates. We have to break this or else we're going to have another 22 to 27% price growth year. So that's, that's changed. Uh, it's threading this needle because inventory is still low, new listings data has declined, that the Fed might say, listen, um, we are not happy with the inventory situation, so we'll threaten to sell mortgage-backed securities or whatever to try to get mortgage rates up. Uh, that is a risk because, again, if anybody looks at total inventory data on a nominal basis, it's near historic lows on a historical basis, adjusting to population households is historical low. So we haven't lost that issue here. It's just that Mortgage rates are so high that the demand is getting hit to cool down price growth. So I think a reacceleration of prices would be problematic to where the Fed would say, no, we got to have mortgage rates go up higher. It's obviously not high enough. And the problem here now is the housing already went into recession in June. So um, it really is. You, you really have to break into what the Fed really wants here because a prolonged recession in a sector has capacity or or how I how I like to explain it is that production levels start to fall noticeably, right? Uh, um, the production of wood and everything is just going to go down and down and down, and because there's no demand for it, like the price of lumber is still really low. Uh, you don't just reaccelerate that up. So the longer the damage is done in the in the sector, the 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 more prolonged effects it has over time because production falls. This is why we talk about housing being in recession. Housing permits are falling. Right, housing starts are falling. Without the backlog of, of, of homes in already set in contract, none of this would have already happened. They've already they've already been firing construction workers right now. We had that construction in play. So the Fed has to figure out what, what does it want because housing is not a in a sense a part of their mandate. Uh, rent shelter inflation is, but the Fed can't really do anything about that unless you forcefully have renters lose their jobs. So this dynamic becomes interesting next year about how much will they want to tolerate a housing or recession? How many people losing their jobs, losing their incomes, uh, uh, housing starts going down, permits go. At what point do they say, okay, we'll get back in the mortgage-backed security market, whatever. But in any case, the bond yields have to go down. Bond yields have gone up. Mortgage rates should be at 5.5% right now if there was kind of a more functioning uh, uh, mortgage market. But still, yields are coming down. That's what drives mortgage rates. Uh, I just just endure it, right, to the Fed. Don't freak out. Let the marketplace do its thing. If you see a reacceleration in home prices and housing demand, okay, well, let, let's cross that bridge when we get there. But obviously, 
you know, uh, total inventory data just isn't a good example is right now we're at 1.22 million. The historical average going back to 1982 is two to two and a half million. That's not even adjusting to population. So we're almost basically 800,000 active listings below the four decade average, not adjusting to population, which means it's much, it's much worse. So you can only do so much without putting into longer uh, uh, negative impacts on building homes out. I like your point that, you know, uh, something in the fives, uh, mortgage rates in the fives is really a more stable housing market because yes, they're, they're worried about inventory, but on the other side is what we've always said. If you if you don't feel like you're going to be able to afford a house or you don't want to get out of your, you know, nice two or three handle mortgage right now, like then that's just going to suppress it. But at least if it comes back to the fives, then I think that you have on both sides. So yes, you have a lot of people jumping in, but you also have people saying, yes, I can sell my house now. So I I would think that inventory would get a little bit better at that point. You know, the inventory discussion in America is such a unique topic because when mortgage rates went to six, six and a quarter percent new listings data, that was the beginning of the decline on a year-over-year basis. Why? Because educated people with good consumer debts are not forced to sell their homes. By the way, just want to let everyone know the whole grift about four to five million people rushing to the market to sell their homes because they're poor and uneducated, that failed miserably. Okay. Um, Here, when mortgage rates came back down from six and a quarter to five percent, the new listing data still stayed, uh, um, uh, were still declining. The seasonality of housing, rates rushing as fast as they did at that time just screwed up everyone's plan. And uh, we have to see, what we don't want to see next year is new listings data have a year-over-year decline. That that would be the worst thing for housing. Some people think of that as a positive. Oh, no, people aren't listing their homes. That listing a home is an inventory, and then that is a buyer of a home. So you want to know why purchase application data has a waterfall collapse Guess what? That seller that is a traditional buyer is not there. So then on top of that, you're just relying on first-time home buyers who have more of an issue dealing with um, higher mortgage rates. So we need to have a functioning, normal market. And I'm hoping that new listing data grows next year on a year-over-year basis. We do not want to see what we saw this year. I've I've never always believed in the mortgage rate lockdown premise because all those things that would need to happen never happened before in the last four decades. All the variables came into place in 2022. So um, homeowners are good. They're, they're doing fine. Uh, one of my biggest critiques on people uh, on social media or Wall Street or, or stock traders has been the inability to read consumer credit data because they're running models off 1996 to 2010, which means they have no adjustments to the 2005 BK reform laws or the qualified mortgage. I saw that again on Twitter today. Oh, if, if homeowners can't cash out, they're going to be broke. It's just like, shut the <laughs> up. Seriously. After 12 years, by the way, I'm this is a personal vendetta against anti-central bank people, MMT people, and Steve Keen followers who missed the longest economic and job expansion in history and missed the COVID-19 recovery because you can't read credit data correctly because you have no training in it. You're ideological people, and it shows, by the way. that's. <laughs> Thank you for the rant, um, yes. Home, homeowners are in a very good spot, so they're not going to be forced to do right. anything, right? People don't know. 
death, divorce, jobs, whatever. That's all been in place for 10 years. Total inventory levels have been falling for 10 years, right? There's more at play here. Um, God, if you, if, if five to 6% mortgage rates or somewhere in, in the five to five and a half just gets a happy median, stops the bleeding. That's the first thing. You have to stop the bleeding first, right? The builder's confidence index can't have a waterfall. They're not going to build or whatever. That's what everyone should focus on, not a re-acceleration re in the data, right? Uh, just focus on stabilization. That's what we saw, four straight weeks of purchase application weekly growths. If you just keep on getting that stabilization, wait for the market to get its uh, uh, a footing in, and then we'll see where it takes off. But it's such a complicated situation because, you know, when you deal with traditional economic cycles, you don't have to deal with a global pandemic and Russian invasions and uh, aggressive Federal Reserves. We think it's 1975. You deal with normal stuff. Here, everyone's got to like figure out how to model stuff out, and it's 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 crazy. It's not it's not easy. But uh, yes, with the Federal Reserve yesterday, it was. I think that the the key phrase was. We just we don't want to crash the economy, so we are we don't want to cut rates, which means they don't want to cut rates. They want the economy to just be on its own, so they're slowly getting there. And uh, the PCE inflation, we always talk about CPI, but the, the PCE inflation data is where they go off, and the twelve month is running at four, you know four point eight. What's PCE? That's the consumer uh, uh, the consumer price index. Uh, um, that's where the Federal Reserve has their two percent target rate. Uh, so that's the data line they want to get down from 4.8% down to 2%. Uh, um, and it looks like to me 5% Fed funds rate is their target, 4 to 5 to 5%, and that's it, right? So the whole James Bullard 7% was just <laughs> get the eggnog away from that guy, okay? <laughs> But uh, um, no, so so there is no that's that's what people should move off of. That's their target uh, Fed funds rate level, uh, and they've been consistent with that. Uh, everybody focuses on CPI inflation so much because that's that's where all the action is. But it's really the uh, uh, the PCE data, and it's running at four point eight percent right now. Okay, so we are recording this on Thursday, December first. This is going to go live on Friday, December second, which is Jobs Friday. So, give us just a, a, a one minute thing. What should people be looking at? We're, of course, we're going to do a whole podcast on it after it comes out. But if I'm listening to this on Friday morning, what should I be thinking about when I look at the jobs report? Right now, job jobs data, you could have a positive or negative report and be deficit. For, forget that. Job openings data and jobless claims are actually where the action's at. Job openings data fell this this uh, this month from 10.7 million to 10.3 million. Jobless claims fell again this morning. So the, the data is okay. We, we usually have two to three reports a year that doesn't meet, meet estimates and then everyone overreacts to it. So the key is jobless claims. If you're doing paper, rock, scissors with all the jobs data, jobless claims is where it's at, right? Uh, uh, so job openings is number two. And then the jobs data is always always lagging the economy, but still, you know, claims will be your number one uh, data line right now. So even if it comes in as a miss tomorrow, just remember the, the history of the US job growth data should not have big jobs reports anymore. Um, uh, we just don't have that kind of population growth to keep having really big jobs. We're going to get back to a norm. And a norm was like 150 to 250,000 
and that that to me looked normal. And in fact, in the previous expansion, which was the longest economic and job expansion in history, I always had the lowest job forecast data, which trended correctly, just because we most people are always working and population growth is slowing. So we can't really have these big jobs data. So we're going to start to get back down to a normal trend after the COVID-19 recovery. Remember, we, we got all the jobs lost to COVID, but if it wasn't for COVID, we'd still be in the longest expansion. So our no, normal numbers should be much higher than what they are now. We're just playing catch up right now. So we're at the catch up phase, but right now we're at the Fed wants a recession phase too. So these two dynamics are hitting each other right now. That's why jobless claims data is is critical and jobless claims data fell last last week. It was up to 240,000. This week it's back down to 225,000. So uh, just keep an eye on claims data. Don't overread a positive or negative jobs report. The claims data, it will be better at this point. Uh, uh, and uh, we'll see how the bond market reacts. If there's a weaker number tomorrow, bond yields could go lower, right? Uh, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see what it takes. But remember, that was not a Fed pivot yesterday. That was, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a wake-up call, but not a Fed pivot. Logan, thank you so much for coming on to do this special edition when we had so much uh, movement in mortgage rates. So appreciate it. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.